everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorenda. I'm married to Daryl. We've been married for 29 years. We have eight kids ages. How old are they again? I got to remember 14 to 27. And we have our fifth grandbaby on the way. So we've been homeschooling for a long time, over 23 years. And I'm just excited to be here. Um, today, we are going to be talking about how to encourage our kids to have what's called a growth mindset. But before we jump into that, um, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Teaching Textbooks, which is a math curriculum that we have used um, for years and we continue to, year, continue to use. I'd also like to encourage you to check out my uh, simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling called The Unhurried Homeschooler. It's available on Amazon and it has been an encouragement to many, many moms and I'm very, very grateful for that. Several months ago, um, I had our guest, uh, who is a guest today, Dan Marcone, was on the podcast. You might remember we talked about the developmental stages of kids and their learning, and a lot of moms were really encouraged by that. Um, if you don't already know Dan, he is married to Amy, uh, and who is, of course, his uh, wife and best friend. And after completing his undergraduate studies in New Orleans, he directed a youth ministry in North Georgia. While working with adolescents and their families, he discovered his passion for counseling, which led him to return to school. So then he graduated with a master's of mental health counseling from Reformed Theological Seminary. And after school, he served as a director of counseling for the Adolescent Life Coaching Center, and then was co-director of Journeys Counseling Center. In March of 2014, Dan founded Seasons Counseling in Orlando and is proud to put his time and energy into growing this dynamic helping center. Um, he's really a specialist in trauma and anxiety, which I find really, really fascinating. I listened, got to listen to Dan several months ago at a conference and I just, I, my pen wouldn't work fast enough to write down all the notes <laughs> that I took from the things that he shared. So I feel really privileged and grateful today to have Dan back again. Thank you, Dan, for being here with us. Dorenda, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. So moms, make sure you've got a pencil or pen and a paper handy and ready to take notes because this is going to be good and I know last time I couldn't I could barely write fast enough to keep to keep up but you're going to love this it's going to be information that will I believe just really give you um, some insight mm -hmm. into your kids um, especially if you're homeschooling we're with our kids all the time and we know them really well and we we know the areas where they need growth and I think this topic of growth mindset is just going to be a, a real blessing and I actually took a poll on what moms wanted to hear about and almost 75 percent of them said that they wanted to hear about this particular topic so Dan wow, wow. take it away <laughs> that really excites me because this this topic is not just um, you know a a way to approach um, you know learning or, or life. It 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 has deep ramifications for the developing brain and the um, abilities and uh, strengthening a child as they grow for a lifetime of just being what God called them to be and learning um, how to use their giftedness to risk and get out into the world and uh, be bold. And um, there's nothing that I can see in, as far as a researcher and a therapist that uh, can be more influential and helpful than understanding mindset. Mm -hmm. It is critical to um, the family system. And um, it's very, very important, I think, that moms and dads listen, because um, we are going to repeat the mindset we grew up in. And we know this research is relatively new. Um, Carol DeWitt from Stanford, uh, she did 20 years of research. And we are finding um, some real um, trouble, uh, some troubling information as far as how we're doing school and how it's impacting our kids' vitality, growth, brain development, anxiety, stressors, you know, um, and I can jump into how all that looks and works, but I hope that um, 
uh, that moms will, will, will really pay attention and begin to do the first step is having a growth mindset as a parent and understanding it and being committed to implementing it because the not only school ramifications and academic ramifications, but mental health and capacity um, is on the line here. So wow. can, uh, that's, that's where we'll start. Okay. Can you give us like a, a sure. maybe you were already going to do this, but just a brief explanation of what, yes. what you mean when you say growth mindset. I will. Well, when we look at growth mindset, we first look at fixed mindset. We have two mindsets and just divine, uh, to go ahead and define mindset, uh, it's a mental attitude that determines how you will you'll interpret and respond to situations. So um, just like we learn through scripture, we develop a mindset and an understanding of um, who we are and what we're about. And um, as, as kids, we probably grew up in more of a fixed mindset, which I'll explain, um, which we're seeing, you know, uh, greatly contributes to anxiety disorders and depression in teens and adolescents. But it starts really early. So the earlier you begin to work on modeling a growth mindset, the better. So what I mean in, ter in these terms is, the, the growth mindset and fixed mindsets were determined based off of these um, five categories, challenges, how we do challenges, obstacles, how we interpret obstacles in learning and in life, effort. What does effort look like? How do we look at effort? Do we, um, you know, uh, how do we engage and motivate um, our kids and ourselves? Criticism. How does criticism impact us and are we criticizers? Um, and the success of others is an indicator. And so when you look at it, well, let's go ahead, if it's okay, and look at a fixed mindset and, and what that looks like. And many of us, I know myself, I grew up in a, you know, a system that was very fixed and it takes a lot of challenge and, 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 and intentional um, understanding and growth and prayer and, and um, uh, to, to change those mindsets. But a fixed mindset, the one, there's a couple of like, you know, silver bullets here. Uh, one is failure. How do we teach our children to fail well? How do we fail? How do we have setbacks? What, how do we approach? Let me give an example. If you make a 95, a growth mindset would say, man, I got 5% more to learn. Hmm. A fixed mindset would say, how come you didn't study harder? Where's that 5%? Something along those lines. Right. right. So it's focus, yeah, it's focusing on the grade and the outcome. Right, right. Not the learning falling in love with learning. So a fixed mindset promotes a critical, negative, fear, anxiety-based learning, oh my goodness. which inhibits the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that's your head coach, that's your you know, executive that pulls all the other systems in the line. And when we feel stress or pressure, our brain responds to stress and pressure when it becomes inflammatory as threat. Mm. And our threat system comes on and we drop out of our frontal cortex, our head coach, our learning center, and into our limbic system, which is our emotional brain. And we begin to become defensive in our orienting rather than aggressive in our learning. So it causes an anxious body state or mindset that is trying to perform just to get relief. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, I mean, it's like we could stop right there. Right. Camp out here because this affects every area of our lives. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we think about how the, the school system is working, it is 
absolutely a fixed mindset. Yes, um, right. And this is the beauty of homeschooling. And this is why I encourage moms do not bring that system home to, mm-hmm. uh, to try to just, uh, you know, imitate it at home because it's a system that is going to fail. It's, it's failing and, and it's hard because we don't, um, we, we know what it shouldn't look like. We don't always understand the reasons um, it, it's not working, but we're getting a clearer picture of that through what you're sharing today, mm-hmm. which um, hopefully will motivate us to ourselves have this growth mindset because mm-hmm. as homeschooling moms, we have to have that mindset in order to homeschool our kids well, in order to parent well, in order to, you know, raise these kids, we've got to raise them well, um, we've got to have a growth mindset. We have to be willing to learn right alongside of our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and what's even, you know, more interesting is um, I'll, I'll give you the, you know, the data, the terms here, but the, the way I look at it is, do we have failure resilience? Do we see failure as an opportunity to, um, to respond and learn because the way our brain learns, if we already know the information, we already have the networks in place. Mm-hmm. When we don't know, when we fail, that's when the brain is learning because we're beginning to have to access resources, internal and external resources that create wiring and firing and create aptitude, growth and learning in the frontal cortex. If I'm stressed or pressured and feel overwhelmed by having to get a grade rather than being passionate about learning, it inhibits the very thing we hope for. Mm-hmm. So when we when we have when we have adversity and setbacks, it builds resilience. And a fixed mindset causes an anxious kid who then struggles with worry about an outcome, a grade at the end of the semester, or a test score, or some futuristic worry. And it's impacting his learning capacity to really fall in love with the subject and learn all about, you know, what's happening there to develop, you know, um, um, aptitude and intelligence and growth. And that's what's really important is that we're um, focusing on positive emotion builds resilience. Mm, Negative emotion impacts a person's system and inhibits learning and growth and causes us to try to find the threat. And the threat then becomes feeling the feeling of failure. That actually becomes a threat in the body where, where if I worry about failing, instead of amping up desire and, and learning and accessing resources, I will only do what I'm good at. And I'm going to quit or give up or not try because it's anxiety provoking. It's painful. It's difficult. I, I, I don't have the resources for that rather than I want to learn and grow and learn and grow and learn and grow mm-hmm. and not worry so much about how good or bad I am. But my brain is malleable and it can it can wire and fire all kinds of learning if I have the right ingredients and we'll get to the growth mindset, but failures, a big outcomes is another thing. How do we do failure diversity? How do I, what am I focused on? Am I really wanting to learn or am I focused on a grade at the end of the year so that I can move on to some other subject? And th- those things are, be- are huge. But also here's another thing, a fixed intelligence. And I'm a person that grew up in a very difficult, you know, stressful environment. So Um, I actually tested very low below average on lots of different aptitude tests. It's because my threat system was on and I was constantly anxious. And um, once I uh, worked through those things and became an adult, went to school, um, my learning capacity was tremendous. My IQ was volumes different than what it was when I was a kid because we're not fixed in our mindset. We're not fixed in our intelligence. Your brain is fat, man. It can learn so much. And if we, if we dedicate ourselves and we give effort 
with positive emotion and failure resilience, a person can learn almost anything at a high level. And that's what we're learning now. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is just so, um, it, it reinforces kind of what, um, I'm looking back at, you know, as we've raised our kids and homeschooled them. And, uh, one of the things I would say to them a lot along the way, um, my children, I'm not, they're not perfect, but one thing that we were focused on a lot was, you know, are you a problem solver? Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, and I feel like that's kind of, kind of, a, a little bit of the message here is mm-hmm. they have this motivation to see something, um, an obstacle, and to look at it and say, and to be challenged by it mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of overwhelmed by it or afraid of it. Um, they have a different response to it, and that's something that uh, we as parents have uh, so, such a privilege to be able to encourage them in that, especially since, you know, we're mostly talking to homeschool moms, um, that we're with our kids throughout the day. And if, if we can, uh, keep this in mind, um, as we're schooling and as we're walking alongside of our kids, um, what a difference that could make. Huge difference. And we know that Learning in the classroom or, or, or is is based on a brain that was designed to connect. Mm-hmm. So when a child feels loved and supported, and we focus on his heart and his capacity and struggle with him and encourage him, they light up mm-hmm. and learn. Mm-hmm. If a child feels like a teacher or a parent is doesn't really want to connect with them at times and, you know, maybe it's about the subject or things or, and we've seen them come into classrooms and um, if a teacher will just mention their name and, and say something kind to them and take an interest in, in them outside of the classroom, their capacity for getting a good grade just skyrocketed, mm-hmm. not dependent on intelligence or intellect or aptitude if a kid comes into a classroom and he doesn't feel connected and there's not a lot of interaction and it's just a business-like transaction their their ability to get a good grade just just went really way down right right so connection how moms we we nurture and and encourage kids through challenges and we help them you know move into a place of embracing challenges because they're not afraid to fail they're 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 learning and in obstacles they persist through setbacks because they're not they're not all that anxious about failing they want to continue to they know that that's how their brain learns and they have your loving support and encouragement and they continue to thrive and it creates a different area of the brain region that begins to light up. And we'll talk about that some later in the, in the, in the podcast. Right. And then, you know, I've done some reading, um, a lot of reading, actually. Um, One of the things that I ran across um, years ago and have uh, run across again and again is this, this this Smithsonian study that was done years ago, um, just trying to identify some of the key factors in, uh, in, uh, geniuses, you know, what, what is a genius quote unquote. And the number one thing was warm, loving, responsive, yeah. mm-hmm. engaged parents. And I just thought that's right. That, that just, you know, I mean, I think as homeschooling moms, we, we forget, uh, we often will be focusing on our weaknesses and our greatest strength is this nurturing nature that we have towards yes. our children. Um, that is our greatest strength that um, no teacher could ever replace. And so if you can learn to work from that place, you know, I, I always tell moms, you know, when we made this decision to homeschool, did we do it because we thought we were going to be the greatest teacher on the planet? Probably not. I know I didn't make it for that reason, but we made it out of this um, this love for our children and wanting what was best for them and this nurturing nature that we have, um, and this deep love that we have for our children. And so as we bring them home and we, 
begin to homeschool them, we just need to continue to work from that place. And God, I've watched him just connect the dots for my kids, like with them. And I'm just, I'm stepping aside and letting it happen. I'm just cheering them on, encouraging them, you know, maybe providing some different resources and things like that. But really, letting that sort of unfold naturally on its own as, you know, they're being encouraged along the way and loved and engaged with. I I can't um, applaud what you just said enough. And I can tell you um, from a a neuroscience perspective, um, emotional regulation systems in the brain are, there's three of them. And one is very primitive, which is the threat system. And um, then we have a soothing system and a drive system. And what what happens with pressure, stress, uh, criticism, um, distance, lack of connection, overwhelm, is an undeveloped soothing system. Hmm. And that is so very important to our attachment early in development Pre, pre-birth in the womb and the first three to five years is that we, we, we look through the lens of attachment of feeling safe with our feelings and self, safety, feeling seen that we see their hearts, their, their emotions first because we're feeling creatures that think, not thinking creatures that feel. That's how we're created. And our feeling system, our emotional regulation system in, in the limbic is all about, do I feel, if I feel loved and I feel safe, I can jump upstairs into my frontal cortex and rock and, and grow and venture out. If I don't feel safe emotionally or security wise, and if I don't feel loved or connected or protected enough, it's going to inhibit how I grow and here, here, or how I learn and grow and how I connect, it's going to cause anxiety, depression, all these symptoms that come out of this. But the soothing system is so important because when threat comes on or I feel like I'm, I'm emotionally hurting or I've, I've, I've maybe not done my best. And if I can reach out and get soothed and responded to, I can get emotional, manage stress, and move towards bonding. That's what the soothing system's about. Well, that's interesting because it, it's sounding to me what I'm what I'm hearing you say is really before the book work, um, before the quote unquote education, we need to nurture the emotional aspect of our kids. Yes, it's the energy source. Mm-hmm. Feelings are energy. They motivate action. They motivate our experience. So if I'm feeling sad and we're emotional and connected, connection-based, um, we need emotional and connectional, connection support, which we call emotional responsiveness. And then we get opiates and oxytocin. We get pain relief that's produced in our brain. Our brain produces it. And oxytocin, love and bonding, and it nurtures neuropathways and a brain that that is feels safe and loved so that resilience and grit become a part of this process right right that makes perfect sense so you're gonna um i i've i know moms who are fostering kids um and or they're in the adoptive process and they're they've been concerned because they're spending so much time dealing with the emotional aspect of the child and I've watched these moms I'm not one of them so I feel like I like to sit back and watch how they take care of each other these moms do and um, the ones who uh, seem to be doing the best are the ones who understand that we have to deal with the emotional part of this first this emotional piece first and all that other stuff we can catch up on later, but right now we need to catch up on the emotional aspect. So if I guess I would encourage any mom who, whether you're foster or adopting, or if your child has just been through a trauma or um, there's a family, there's a family crisis, um, there's just life, life is messy and things come along and um, having this kind of understanding Um, helps us walk through these things with our kids Mm -hmm. Uh, and helps them come back from these things Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. um, and stronger and more resilient um, Mm -hmm. 
than they would have been before the crisis. So these things can actually be beneficial and definitely need to be a piece and part of our uh, thinking when it comes to when we look at the big picture of homeschooling, that um, this emotional piece is what I'm my takeaway here is the emotional piece is much bigger than maybe we give it credit for. Oh, it's, it's, it's everything. If you look at, if you just look at the developing brain and body and attachment and how God created us, um, so wonderful. Um, we're, we're very, um, neglectful of looking at how powerful our emotional regulation systems are and how to work with them. And, you know, we, we here do a lot of research and we look at, you know, we work with families every day and, when we have a big inner critic or we have a, a lot of self-loathing or a lot of negative core beliefs, we often see an underdeveloped soothing system. Um, because when the, when I have a feeling or a failure, I feel like I've messed up and I haven't learned to, to, to manage that stress and move towards safe bonding with my system, with my family, uh, with my mom, with my dad. Um, that that failure gets registered in the nervous system like a threat. And so the adrenaline and cortisol is dumped. And instead of moving to soothing, I'll move to my drive base and I'll start doing things. That's where our perfectionism comes in or our overly, our overcompliance um, or, or I might drive to avoidant behaviors because I'm missing the soothing system. I'm going from a fear and a worry and a stress where I need support and encouragement to, to feel safe and bonded in a community in connection so that I can amp up and engage and overcome and risk I'm missing that soothing. I'm not getting enough of that. So then I feel bad and negative. So I go to my drive system, which is a dopamine-based system that motivates us towards resources. And without soothing, it begins to motivate me towards overdoing, over-perfecting, over to try to create some kind of better feeling. And, you know, we have all kinds of problems, anxiety, addiction, all these kinds of things come out of an imbalance in the distress um, of the system. So what we'd love to see is soothing drive, soothing drive, soothing drive. Threat should be on autopilot because it's primitive brain and it's dealing with things like, you know, physical danger. But when we respond to our children in, in anger and criticism and distancing and, and we're not emotionally responsive first before we move to like helpful correction, it creates a stress response and move to drive, either give up, like we see a lot. I'm not going to do anything unless I'm good at it or over perfectionism. I'm going to be so good and perfect at school because I'm so afraid to make mistakes. The big perfectionism has nothing to do. Well, it does, but the symptom is being perfect. The big problem is the lack of soothing system. I don't know how to soothe myself or work with my system because I'm too afraid. So I'm not going to fail. So, mistakes are not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So tell me how, what are some like really tangible ways mm -hmm. that we can help our kids develop that, a healthy soothing system? Well, being emotionally responsive, using validation and empathy. Those two experiences will change brain structure. So compassion and empathy will actually change your hippocampus as your memory system. It expands it. It makes it your prefrontal cortex where you just amp up and rock and you just go and you, and you know, when you make you, that's those systems thrive off of loving connection and loving, you know, falling in love with learning. Mm -hmm. And when we as parents validate, empathize, and are compassionate, we meet our kids where they are, and then they begin to respond 
with resilience because we've met the needs of, you know, feeling loved, feeling safe, and they can then move up to, we call it upstairs brain, our neocortex, our prefrontal, and start working on solutions and growth and learning because I'm, my nervous system is calm and now I'm being led by my executive functioning systems and kids will thrive and somewhere, somehow, and it's very sad that we see um, so many Christian families that use contempt and shame mm -hmm. and criticism. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's our own stories. Yes. What we've, we, do, we do what we know. That's exactly And right. it's very detrimental. And it's very traumatic to the brain. The developing brain is very, very, very vulnerable. Too much stress, 3 to 8, 8 to 13. So you've got 0 to 3 and 10 to 13. Very, very few, if you look at brain reads, those are extremely vulnerable times for children. And they need, and their brain is under construction. One thing I tell parents is, Expect them to mess up a lot mm -hmm. because their brain's under construction. Parent them at their development age. Be a coach. Coach them through. Don't expect perfection right. because their brain is not even close to developed until they're, you know, well into 17 when you start having complex capacities, the nine capacities that are that the prefrontal cortex executes. So a child is going to be impulsive, going to get reactive, going to mess up, going to forget things. Not, And for us to expect them to perform beyond their capacity can be, can be traumatizing. I have kids that I see every day that have been traumatized by, by so much pressure mm. that they have acute stress disorder. Right. And it's very, very real. And we're seeing inflammatory levels of it because you got to be on the best teams and you got to get the scholarship and you got to get the, the perfect grades and you got to do perfect in, at church in Awana and you got to do perfect here at, at you know, uh, make it into this college or that. And so the stress is too much. Right. And kids, the kids are overwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, it's just such a it's so sad because we're taking away one of the mm -hmm. most precious gifts we can give them. And that is a child because there's something I, I almost dare say holy about a childhood, um, about having a healthy childhood. I just feel like it's a place where God really can lay such a, a wonderful foundation in their hearts yes. and, and in families mm -hmm. are just fragmented and running themselves ragged. And this is why I'm such a, um, I'm so adamant about families slowing down and taking an unhurried approach, not only to homeschooling, but to life in general, um, just to not overschedule, to really think through. There's so many opportunities out there. It's, it's, it's mind boggling and it's overwhelming. And we have to be so careful that we are listening to the Lord's voice and listening to what he mm -hmm. has for our families. Um, our family right. was, uh, was probably the uh, most activity less family around. <laughs> most of our activities happened as a family. We lived out in the country. Right. So, you know, there was that we had that, that was a circumstance mm -hmm. God had us in. Um, but it uh, is the kids got older. There were, you know, of course, some activities amped up, which I think is good and healthy, but really being prayerful, I think is the big thing um, about mm -hmm. deciding yeah. what things are worth the time, the effort. Um, sometimes as our kids get older, um, especially like high school, I, I think um, they, they do well with some competition, with some, you know, a certain amount of outside pressure, you know, um, I, I think that can be healthy, but there's such a foundation that needs to be laid first, um, in all these areas that you're talking about, especially this, this soothing and this, um, you know, just this bonding and this, they do so much better when they get out there, um, in their, you know, when they're older and they get out there and they're, you know, maybe having to meet other people's standards. Mm -hmm. We've got a high schooler that's mm -hmm. taking a class that's, I, I noticed my high schoolers did really well, um, with, you know, taking a math class outside 
of home and just having that outside uh, competition or whatever. Um, so there's a time and a place for these activities. Mm-hmm, sure. Absolutely. You can learn a lot through that adversity. Adversity builds resilience. Exactly. But we but need the soothing. We need the soothing and we need that habit. We need to develop this mm-hmm. habit in our kids mm-hmm. of having this growth mm-hmm. mindset. Now, I have a question for you. You talk about being sure. responsive first and empathy first. Completely agree with that. Now, there is that occasional child that really wants to run with that and, um, and do, you know, go down this road of self-pity and how do you give them the empathy, um, be emotionally responsive, but, but not allow them to, um, you know, to go down that other road. How do you, how do you navigate that? Um, I'm, I'm missing it real quick. You mean, as far as like when I, when we empathize, true empathy is, um, just understanding right, and being with the person where they are. Right. I, I just know that I've had um, kids that, you know, when, when I gave them empathy, um, sometimes they would kind of go down the road of feeling sorry for themselves. Does that make sense? And so we're not, mm-hmm. now we're not headed towards a growth mindset. We're headed mm-hmm towards, you know, uh, whatever else, you know, the self-pity and this, you know, oh, poor me, you know, I, you know, I had this thing happen. And so how do you navigate that? Yeah, I think empathy is, doesn't get you there. Empathy is always a healing component. So if you, if you share with them and say, hey, I understand this is really hard for you. This must be really difficult. And uh, I can feel, you know, um, the sadness right now. what are you going to do? Right. Put it back on them. And and if they go down that road, it's another teaching opportunity for, for you to continue to, to mold and encourage them to move out of that state of, you know, being victimized and in a state of like growth and give them, give them time to, you know, um, you know, that could be some, some manipulation and such, but, uh, those are always great opportunities as well to just keep teaching, keep coaching. Mm-hmm. Keep working with them. Keep asking questions. So tell me more about that. Right. Get them to tell you what's going on and tell them, say, hey, I want to challenge you to to see if, you know, what it would look like to bounce back. What's that look like here? And to help keep moving them to a hopeful place. You know, you empathize with the messiness and then you move towards, you know, some to the message of hope. Right. So the first response being uh, emotionally responsive and empathetic, but not necessarily mm-hmm. stopping there, being observant and, and watching and seeing where they're going right. with it. How are they responding to that empathy? And then uh, if need be, you can ask these, these uh, key questions that help mm-hmm. you understand where they're going with it and help them hopefully um, mm-hmm. go towards a growth mindset. I would never withhold um, those, the compassion and empathy are um, their brain changers and um, kids have a brain under construction and that's, you know, fuel, that's like high test fuel for that brain. And um, the more you're able to meet them where they are, the more they're going to expand Right. So when they feel seen, they, they, they expand and, you know, shame can shut them down. Right. Right. And so yeah. if they, if they turn that into shame, then that's a great opportunity to get them to talk to themselves like someone they love to do shame resilience. Right. Right. You know, and to begin to learn how to like lift, you know, and encourage um, themselves through, through these adversities. Um, right. And I think it just depends, but um, yeah. those, those are, yeah, those are powerful moments as well. So you had mentioned a driving system, a soothing system. Was there one other system that you mentioned? Yeah. So there's, there's a threat system that's primitive and it comes online every time the brain detects a threat. And we, after the fall, we, we over, we have what we call a negative bias. So we're always our brains are focusing on negative and neutral to protect us, to make sure we're safe. Mm -hmm. So love, 
our family system and danger tend to trip that system because where you invest a lot of time. So when a person feels like they've done bad or they've been told they're bad or they've messed up, that threat system comes on. Um, and so that's a time to bring compassion and empathy and then expand them into drive space or soothing and drive. We're trying to work through managing those threats that are not dangerous, they're not physical threats, bring the soothing system and then help them to their drive base, motivating towards resilience and growth and learning because failures are the way we learn. Right. That's how we learn. So if we're as parents trying to create little perfectionists and perfect kids um, and tests and, and, and different you know, uh, activities or, or sports, um, it's counterproductive and inhibiting rather than, hey, so you did really well here. What about here? What can we do different here? I'm re- you're working through, you know, man, I'm, I'm really proud of you, of how hard you worked. Mm-hmm. Praise effort. Mm-hmm. Effort is so important to a growth mindset, is to, is to be dedicated and, follow, and to learn that hard work is, is the path, see effort as the pathway to mastery. Mm. That's a key component because we have a lot of kids that are giving up. They're quitting. They don't want to do things. They don't want to try because they're afraid to fail. And that failure feels awful. It feels like danger inside. Right. Right. And yet we're not going to go back to something that feels negative. Right, right. It, well, it's it actually dumps. That actually, so when we do research and we do chemical neurochemistry research, we see that that system dumps cortisol and adrenaline. It causes me to to get in a state that inhibits learning. Now I'm in an anxious state to just get relief. I'm not learning, right. and instead of when I'm given empathy. I have oxytocin and opiates and dopamine and serotonin, all these awesome chemicals that help us feel safe and secured and loved and driven and all these things that, that we thrive out of. Mm. Wow. It's, 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 it's amazing. I think um, I'm just, I'm wondering, do you have uh, any resources that um, parents could go to? Sure. I think that the mindset work is great. I mean, Carol has a book um, and it's excellent. Um, You know, there's some really good secular books right now that, you know, just deal with with some of this stuff. And we we need to do more integration in the church. We're not seeing it. And it's very important. And we still have systems in place in in our in our theology that um, are very detrimental to a a growing brain. So I think it's great to see, you know, how God created and wired us and to live into it. So DeWix works is excellent and it shows, you know, what we've seen in the studies and how we see kids thriving and growing. You know, I'm a product of that and learning how to overcome that fixed mindset and seeing tremendous change. Um, there's a, um, there's a couple, there's a book called the yes brain that's uh, by Dan Siegel and, um, he's from UCLA and he does a lot of, so we got to sometimes jump out of the box a little bit and learn about, you know, some of the things that, that are amazing as far as research and then see that, man, it's not contradictory. It's right. It's right in there. I mean, the gospel is all about compassion, empathy, grace, love, getting what we don't deserve. That's right. That's you know, so let's get it. Let's get after it. Let's, let's be about it. Yeah, and what, and what is the uh, the author's name? You said the S brain is the name. Uh, it's his name is Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel, okay. Yeah, and he does um, uh, some really great stuff on the developing brain of the whole brain child, um, and then he wrote this, the Yes Brain. And so we've we've been researching and studying. I'm blessed to be able to work with lots of different types of um, orientations and stuff about hey, what motivates. You know, what motivates positive emotion is what motivates. So when, if we want kids to be motivated, we want them to, to feel loved. One, we want them to have positive emotion and feel loved, connected Two, we want them to, um, to have some like healthy rewards. Like, Hey, this is why I'm doing it. Right. Um, I'm going to build resilience and growth. And, you know, it's very important. And then the next thing we saw, this was from an MIT study. 
So it was positive emotion and, and then it was rewards, like making sure we have stuff to look forward to in, in connection. And the third thing was community. Hmm. We are motivated when we're around people that are of the same mindset. So we'll thrive if we're, if we're not so good at something, if we, if we're around people that are highly motivated and learning and growing and doing, you know, amazing things and are very hopeful and and dedicated and committed, our mirror neurons in our brain are going to reflect what we're around and we're going to take off and be motivated as well. It's like energy. It, 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 it it creates a, um, uh, it creates a change. So we need vibrant communities of growth mindset. And it, it does tremendous right? That's why it's so important for our systems to really parents. It starts with us. We have to be reflecting it and, and, and living um, out of this, practicing what we preach here, and you'll see your kids take off. Right, that's right. And, um, you know, we can do that because we, we have the hope of the gospel. Like, yes, we do. It's that redemption. Mm-hmm. Redeem anything. The ugliest, most broken thing in our lives can be redeemed. And so as Christians of, of all people, we certainly have a reason and a motivation to have a growth mindset. Um, it's, it's, I, I think what Dan's saying here is it's, it's gonna, it might be work. It may actually require right. you know, make some effort. I, I remember there's a book that came out years ago uh, for teenagers, uh, do hard things. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it was just a challenge for these. Uh, to, it was challenging young people to think outside the box and to really to right obstacles as things to overcome right set set goals and and go after and you know really challenge yourself knowing that um learning comes from you know setbacks and failures and i can keep learning and growing and it you know if i it just it just develops a real healthy learning environment and a person that's high functioning in their mental and emotional and social capacities Right, right. So you had mentioned, um, you mentioned community, um, mm-hmm. connection. Were there, was there a list or was that just? There was just three things that um, po- motivate positive emotion, number one. So positive, encouraging emotion that comes from from empathy and compassion in the system. Then rewards. I got to know why I'm doing it. I got to have some purpose. Man, I'm going to like rock this. I want to learn. I'm falling in love with learning because I love this thing. I, I want to learn all about this. You know, and the rewards are, you know, maybe whatever comes after that, the grades or whatever. But I'm doing it because, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, wanting to um, understand and grow in this subject. And then the third thing was we got to have people around us that are um, in the same mindsets that are community support, encouragement and watching them take off. We even looked at studying um, resources where um, kids will learn and do much better on tests when they're in community and they're studying actively together because you're using all your senses in it. And it's very empowering and and, um, helpful. That is, it's so true. I, I, those little, those group settings can be pretty, pretty amazing. Um, we're kind of getting uh, close to the end of our time. Is there, can you yes. anything that you think is just crucial to know before this uh, podcast is over? Yeah. I just think that, um, you know, model it, find out mm-hmm. how um, in your story where this, this may, you may have some injuries mm-hmm. and really align with, you know, healing in your own life because it will mean the difference in uh, your kids. So your nervous system synchronizes with your kids. So if you're, if you're um, um, calm and, and caring and empathic and you're excited and you're learning, it's going to early on, it's going to impact our kids. So let's work on us as parents and let's be failure resilient and focus on, you know, growth and learning um, and it will impact the kids. Right. And I think, uh, you know, some of us, we were right in the, in the, in the thick of homeschooling and raising kids. And we're thinking how in the world can we start working on ourselves in the middle of all this? And I would say the number one thing would be to slow down, to 
right um to prayer prayerfully cover all say we don't want this to be a big heavy burden oh on top of homeschooling your kids you need to get yourself figured out <laughs> um but right. i believe that god can show us he's really gracious to show us the most important thing to work on right now just that one thing at a time and don't overwhelm yourself with information but ask for god to bring to you what you need to know what you need to, you know, work with him on. Um, he is very, very gracious. I've watched him, you know, just cover my kids while I'm working through things. And, um, but, but we encourage you to do it. Don't shy away from it. Um, understand that God wants to bring redemption and he can do that um, in many, many, many different ways. And absolutely. And you can repair all those messinesses, those messy situations and those those critical moments, man. Get humble, connect and be empathic, engage and get fired up for, you know, a growth mindset because it's it's a mental health issue. Right. Exactly. And, you know, as moms, as homeschooling moms, especially, we can sometimes um, deprive ourselves of self-care, mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves. In fact, I'm. Mm-hmm writing a workshop right now on yes. mom self-care and you know mental well-being was one of was one of the aspects that I'm talking about and absolutely uh, no it's it's everything we need we need good we, we, we must do self-care and recharge that's right that's right and and we can um I just I want to encourage you that you know pouring your heart out before the Lord and and be in his word know his mm-hmm. word because yes He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's God and his truth that, and that's going to set you free by his spirit. So, um, I just want to encourage you to pursue that relationship above all and let him be faithful to bring along with me. So, uh, Dan, thank you so much for being here with us today. And you're so welcome. I'm always honored and blessed and to be with you and to have the privilege to speak about such important topics and issues. And um, I just appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you, moms, for being here. I'm going to close in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together, Lord. I pray um, that as these moms process um, what it is that was said to me, Lord, I ask that you would just bring to the forefront of their mind what you have for them, Lord. It'd be easy to go down all kinds of different roads, Lord, but God, you have something specific in mind, something simple, something straightforward um, that they can just, that we can just focus on, um, Lord, without being overwhelmed. So I just pray that you would uh, remove any confusion and that you would bring clarity of heart and mind to every mom that's listening, Father, that you would Uh, bind the enemy who wants to bring confusion and chaos that you would just um, clear just clearly speak your wisdom in your heart to these moms today lord Um, you love us you're so faithful to us lord and we just thank you uh, for your faithfulness and for your provision in jesus name amen